Smith and Jones back for a Wednesday edition. Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. And good to be back on a game day. So you get a double dip of Smith and Jones as we've got the broadcast tonight of the Toronto Raptors and the Minnesota Timberwolves. Toronto hoping to carry a little momentum from their victory a couple of nights ago over the Boston Celtics as Toronto looks to continue the Winning streak going at home, and certainly an important game for the Raptors. Uh, Jonesy, we will dive into it quite a bit over the course of the show. Of course, Alvin Williams Wednesdays as the former Raptor and Sportsnet analyst will join us uh, in a few minutes, and we'll dig into a whole bunch of different angles with the Raptors. And later on in the show, uh, the radio voice of the Minnesota Timberwolves, uh, Alan Horton, will join us, and we'll, uh, we'll chat with him about a very successful season for the Timberwolves this year as well as Minnesota finally seems to be getting things on track and the future looks real bright for that team despite the fact that they are in a dogfight with the Denver Nuggets as they try to leapfrog one another seemingly on a night-to-night basis for that sixth and seventh seed. However, Denver now starting to put a little bit of separation now two games up on the Timberwolves. So Minnesota, in spite of being 10 above 500 in the play-in right now, which, by the way does not include the Los Angeles Lakers as we hit the air today. Okay, so um, like some of the other publications and and productions, we don't talk about Houston. We don't talk about Oklahoma City. We don't talk about Sacramento or Portland because they are below the line. Are we going to stop talking about the Lakers, or is it a train wreck that we cannot turn (laughs) away from? I mean, we don't talk about the Knicks. A little Jay Barrett. Wizards had a great start to the season. They're below the line. They're not getting in. Indiana's been eliminated, as is Detroit. We'll have to talk about Orlando on Friday at some point as the Raptors have one last dance with them. But we don't talk about teams below the line. So Okay. All right. If you, hey, you want to drop it, it, we can drop no, it. No, no, no. Or is it just or is it just <laughs> too big a train wreck? Like how many people are reveling in this like and it's funny i saw something um what year was it the year that that uh the golden state warriors swept the cavaliers in the playoffs i guess it was the first year durant was there was it was yes. that the, it might have been i believe so i believe yeah. it was yes and there was a meme on on twitter of michael jordan in his Bulls uniform with a championship hat on, smoking with a big stogie in his mouth, and the caption read, goats don't get swept. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, and, and like, listen, I'll say this. Michael was swept out of a series in the three out of five when he played the, 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 the Celtics. He did put up 63 one night against them in the playoffs and lost. But that was early in his career. So... I don't know if it's fair to say that, but once he kind of established himself and his greatness, they they didn't they didn't have those. And I, and for all the people that want to talk about it, Michael was the cornerstone. He didn't move anywhere to go and play with anybody. They built the team around him, and as good as Scotty was, I think you could have gotten another guy who was who had that kind of ability. And Michael would have dragged him with him. Scotty's a great player, but he had the benefit of playing with Michael Jordan. And we know how hard it is, E, to win one NBA championship. 
we know how hard it is to win back-to-back NBA titles. This cat won three in a row. Twice. Twice. <laughs> twice. Twice. Not once. Yeah. Twice. And, and it took two years off in the middle to, to go and try and hit a baseball. Came back at the end of one year and still got his team to the conference finals. The conference semis after playing like eight games at the end of the regular season or whatever it was, six games. Like, I don't know if he's the greatest winner of all time, but I, I don't know. Uh, it's, it's a great debate. It's a great barbershop, barroom debate. It really is. And like I got kids telling me now, oh, Jordan played against U-Haul drivers. I'm like, really? Carl Malone? <laughs> Patrick Ewing? Like... Are, are you are, you're you're joking me, right? Isaiah Thomas, Joe Dumars, Magic Johnson, Clyde. I can't Drexler. believe it took you that long to bring up Magic's name. I know he was in the no, later stages just, I, of the career, but I, yeah, I was I was just going through like after I started after the Pistons, I just went chronologically as mm-hmm. to who they beat, right? Mm-hmm. Like going like Drexler, Elijahwan, Barkley, yeah. Like, come on. Give your head a shake. Give your head a shake. Michael Jordan at 50 years old right now could come to your pickup game and give everybody work. Like, like <laughs> come on. <laughs> so anyway, but anyway, the train wreck that is the Lakers, E, I think I think your man Frank Vogel uh, might be up for a new address next year. I don't know. <laughs> well, listen, when it, when it happens, uh, all I'm going to probably say is, what took so long? And 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 I and I know I we we've kind of joked with this and and it's become a thing. I've got nothing against the guy. He, know, hey, he might be the future head coach of the Raptors one day. I don't know. I got nothing against the guy personally. I'm just surprised that Los Angeles didn't fire that shot at some point, especially with the lack of flexibility to that roster and then the lack of movement at the deadline. Maybe I should be giving the Lakers credit for the fact that they didn't move him because we often say, well. It might not be fair, but it's the way it goes. You can't get rid of the players. You can't get rid of, or well, I guess you can, the general manager of the president. So who's going to take the shot? Nine times out of ten, it's the coach. The coach has made the fall guy. And I guess maybe in a roundabout way, in a, in a, in a warped way, you give the Lakers credit for not um, yes. you know, pushing him out the door. But, yeah, I think come off what season. Might, what might be goody, what might be good yep. is change the, change the roster and give him another shot. Give him a better roster and give him another shot because I think the guy can coach. Well, okay, but hold on. I, 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 I don't disagree with you, but, Jonesy, at the beginning of the year, even if you didn't think that they were the number one championship contending team, and even though you and I and everybody else would acknowledge they were older, did you really think that LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook, Carmelo Anthony – and even though, yes, you had you know major pieces gone thanks to that Westbrook trade and Caruso wasn't back, did you not think that at the very least, at the very least, they were the eighth seed, let alone a fourth or fifth seed? So when you talk about giving him a better roster, he had a good roster. And again, I'm not putting on him. He had a good roster. It's just those pieces didn't come together, and they quickly showed their age, and they quickly showed their lack of cohesiveness and chemistry, and now here they sit with, what, seven, eight games remaining in the season below the 
Do we even call it the Mendoza line now? Because the Mendoza used to be the eight no. seed. Below the play-in no. line. So I don't know if we can say that he had a bad roster. Uh, dysfunctional? That's a good word. Uh, pieces yeah. didn't fit roster? Yep. <clears throat> yep. I mean, that's that's probably the way I would look at it. Like, you know, maybe the maybe the, the pieces just didn't quite fit. And Listen, the Pelicans, with it. the Pelicans without Zion Williamson, granted they're 11 games below 500, which I think is a joke, they're in the playing tournament. In fact, they're above another team, San Antonio. Stack San Antonio's roster. Stack the Pelicans' roster even with Zion, let alone taking them off for the entire season. Put it up against the Lakers. Take the Clippers, who, by the way, came back. For, I wanted to go to bed early last night, and I ended up staying up till quarter to one because the Clippers were forcing me to watch their comeback over the Jazz, down 25 in, I believe, the third quarter. They were, they were down 16 in the fourth with like eight minutes left, and they come back to win the game. Stack that roster without Kawhi Leonard and without Paul George for most of the season, even though PG returned last night. Put them up against the Lakers, just on paper. The Clippers without Kawhi yeah. and Paul George. The Pelicans without Zion. And the Spurs, period. With or without anybody. Stack those rosters up against the Lakers with Davis and LeBron and Westbrook and Melo and the rest of their other little pieces. Like Horton Tucker, who they couldn't possibly give up in a trade. Just as one of those young guys. Put those guys up against any one of those three teams I just mentioned. And I, I dare you to say, I don't mean you, I mean everybody, Jonesy. Dare you to say that you didn't mm-hmm. think the Lakers would be better. And now they're the 11th seed. And you got LeBron and Anthony Davis yucking it up on the sidelines in the middle of the game yesterday. It's a bad, bad look and a bad, bad season. Yeah, it is. It's a bad look. It's a bad look. And I wonder, like you said, with the two guys yucking it up, are they going to – does that mean they're throwing in the towel? Does that mean they're like, you know what, we got a ring a couple years ago. This has been a lost season. They're going to get rid of the coach. Like, you know what? Let me let me uh, let me gear down here. Let me let me cruise across the finish line like Usain Bolt in the first round of the uh, of the of the heats in the Olympics. Although you're cruising across the line behind everybody, fellas, not in front of everybody. So yeah. anyway, well, it's it's what it's do you got tonight, you man? Think- what do you got tonight? I, I'm done with the Lakers. I'm done with. Them. Oh, okay. Well, hold on. Let me let, give, give me give me like ten, man, maybe twenty more seconds on it, and and okay, we can okay. transition this into a, into a you know getting off the Lakers. It's interesting to see the difference between now. Granted, I know they're not in the same spot because again, the Lakers are now on the outside looking in, and they were the tenth seed, not the eighth seed that the Brooklyn Nets are. But what a difference when you're talking about a stacked team getting healthy at the right time to where they're making noise and even the top seeds are probably thinking, oh boy, if they end up in the eighth seed, do we really want to be the number one seed? Do we want to be the one that gets knocked off potentially by the Brooklyn Nets? Meanwhile, on the in the West, and I granted I know Anthony Davis isn't back yet, but there was chatter that he was going to be back. And LeBron James is hurt now, but we assumed he is or was coming back. But to your point, Will both of them just stay sideline now, or will they be motivated enough 
to come back to try and at least get that 10th seat, if not higher, and to be that team that is trying to strike fear, saying, oh, boy, hold on a second. LeBron and AD are healthy now, and they're entering as the eighth seed. Oh, my gosh, we don't want any part of that. You know, whether we're Phoenix, whether we're Memphis, whoever, we don't want any part of that because that's what's happening in the East right now, Jonesy. I don't know that people are going to be trying to back their way in and trying to avoid number one, but do you really want to face the Brooklyn Nets in the first round if you're Miami or Milwaukee or Boston or Philadelphia? Oh, my God. I don't think you do. Oh, hell no. 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 And that's the way. But you know what? Uh, the roulette at the top. I, I, I Look, I think the one team that in all of this might not be looking over its shoulder is the Milwaukee Bucks. Okay. They are just doing them. They have flown under the radar. And by the way, with all this chatter about Jokic and Embiid and MVP, has anybody looked at Giannis recently? Like, I know he's got two, and people have probably have, you know, what board, uh, board, board of greatness or what they call voter fatigue. But has anybody looked at this cat's numbers and mm-hmm. what he's doing? And, oh, by the way, his team is in first place in the East right now? Like, has anybody, have all these people voting that, you know, keep talking about, you know, Embiid and Jokic, has, it, has anybody looked at what Milwaukee has done and what are they, a half a game behind Miami right now for first place? Yep. Like, and it's just, it, it's, it's a win, basically. They're tied in the loss column. I'm telling you, man, the guy's a monster. The guy is a monster. And, and uh, you know, we t- when we had Michael Grange on yesterday, I, I don't know if they're being disrespected as champions, but I think some people are forgetting that they are champions or forgetting how good they are. Drew Holiday's playing right now. He's really balling. And they know what it's like to have been to the top of the mountain. And they have that, 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 that air of winning, that leftover arrogance from winning a championship. Like, yeah, we've been here. You know, when you go to the club and you, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a club that everybody's trying to get into, and they see you coming. It's like, oh, Mr. Smith, Eric Smith. And people in line are waiting, and, oh, that's Eric Smith. That's Eric Smith. Like, you just cruise in like, yeah, I got this. And that's Milwaukee. And to be quite honest, E, to be quite honest, that was the Toronto Raptors before COVID hit in 2020, the mm-hmm. year after the championship when Kawhi left. It's like, oh, hell no. We know what this is about. This isn't our first birthday party. And I think people are forgetting about that with the Milwaukee Bucks. So when we had Grange on yesterday, we were talking about who the Raptors. I don't think anybody wants to play Toronto, but I just get the feeling at the top, a team like Milwaukee's like, all right, whoever it is, bring them up. We have to get them at some point, whether it's Brooklyn or Toronto or, you know, they get into the second round and they got to play like, you know, Boston or Miami. It's like, hey, you know, and they, they, after being beaten up by Miami, they didn't they sweep Miami last year in the playoffs, getting through to the to the finals. Mm, yeah, I don't want to say yes for sure because my memory's foggy in that. It was either four or five. It was yeah. Um, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. There's no there's no cakewalk in the East this year. I really no. don't see it. No, maybe no. maybe 
And again, maybe I'm not giving them enough credit, even though they've continued to prove me wrong. Although they've also proven me right because they did dip below. Maybe Cleveland. I'm not saying cakewalk, but I'm. If listen, if I'm going into a series right now, if there's one team in the top eight that I would say, if I could pick, I'd say I'll take my chances with Cleveland. If for no other reason, experience. And I know they got Kevin Love, but otherwise they got a bunch of dudes that don't have a ton of experience. They'd certainly be better with Sexton, who's missed most of the year. Now Mobley's banged up and whatnot. That's the team I'd say, all right, you know what, I'll take my chances with Cleveland. But there's championship pedigree in Toronto. There's superstar, all-star, all-world talent in Brooklyn. Clearly you've seen what Chicago did this year. Philly, Boston, Milwaukee, Miami. No, you know what, I'll take my chances with Cleveland. Otherwise, and again, it's, it's not fair to call it a cakewalk, but just to use that terminology, seeing as I threw it out there a minute or two ago, there is no cakewalk in the East. There's no easy out in the East, perhaps, perhaps, other than Cleveland. All right, let's bring into the conversation. Yeah, I give you that. I give you uh, that. Well, let's bring in Alvin Williams. We can stay on this topic right here, maybe, as we bring in the former Raptor and, of course, Sportsnet television analyst for uh, his regular segment, Alvin Williams Wednesdays. Uh, Al, always good to talk to you. And, and, you know, before I get to current day, let me piggyback on what Jonesy was just talking about, looking back to the uh, championship um, season or the post-championship season for the Raptors. Without Kawhi Leonard, pre-COVID, Toronto was on a West Coast trip, coming home from Utah, sitting pretty, playing well, and all the chatter about Kawhi and the fact that he wasn't there, Toronto was still sitting there among the top two, three teams in the NBA doing it again for a second straight year and proving they could play and win without him and then even entered the postseason still maybe not getting the respect that they should have garnered and it was what a game seven loss to Boston that ultimately did them in in round two that team was that close to being back in a conference finals. And do you think that that's kind of what Milwaukee's going through right now to Jonesy's point where a lot of people are just kind of letting the reigning champs just fly below the radar? Um, possibly. Possibly. I, I think that, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks, they have more respect than people were giving the Raptors at that moment. And rightfully so because, you know, Kawhi Leonard left, but the team came together and Nick Nurse did a great job of us you know, make sure that team still were very competitive. And as you mentioned, losing game seven in the Boston Celtics. But I think people are really looking. I think it just threw people off this year, thinking more from, from the Brooklyn Nets. And it's still that hope there that, you know, Brooklyn can turn it around, which is not a guarantee. They have the talent. They have the great players. They have, as you mentioned, they have championship pedigree as well. They have two guys, big guys that won championship on that team. So, I think people are still hoping that the Brooklyn Nets would be there, and they didn't give Milwaukee that, you know, that that due respect. But in all actuality, Milwaukee is the team to beat in the Eastern Conference. Like you have Giannis, you still yeah. have Drew, you still have Middleton, you still have people came back. You have Brook Lopez back, so that's the team to beat, and they're playing as such. 
Hey, Al, let me jump in for one second here, Jonesy. I think we've got a, a bit of yeah. a bad connection. We can hear you, but it's real quiet. So we're going we're gonna to hang up. We're going to call you back and hope to get a cleaner line. So we're going to get Alvin Williams back into the mix here in, in just a second. So uh, we'll, we'll call him back and, and hope to reconnect on a, on a cleaner line. Because, again, we heard him, but he was real quiet. But um, I guess Al kind of verifying, backing up what you're saying, Jonesy, you know, as he just kind of said, Milwaukee is the team to beat. It's like it's like when a player gets his confidence, and even if he's having a bad night, they don't stop playing. Like, let me give you an example, uh, and I'll, I'll pick a guy with the Toronto Raptors, Fred Van Vliet. Fred has established himself as a top level player in the league, who is an All Star. Yes, he's a little hurt right now. He's managing injuries. But do you think Fred doesn't walk out onto the floor and say, oh, I'm getting some tonight. Oh, this is, I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. And, and do you think the other team thinks, oh, yeah, we're going to hold Van Vliet scoreless tonight? Like, that's not happening. Right. It's like, yeah, maybe I just put the jinx on him tonight, but... <laughs> but that's not happening. <laughs> uh, once, once a guy has his confidence like that and he starts to believe, it's lights out. And it's the same with a team. And I, I really feel that way about the Bucks. As a matter of fact, I feel that way that a bunch of teams in the East feel that way. And that's what's going to make it so difficult. Um, they've all got, you know, a guy, a, a system. They've all got something that they can cling to and say this is us and a team like toronto that definitely has an identity i think they have even more of an advantage a team like milwaukee miami that's the one thing i would say with brooklyn and and once we have al back i want to i want to ask him that i think he's um, there now al i, I want to ask you how important is it that the other teams that the nets who are high powered might face have an identity have played together all year, and they haven't. That's huge. I mean, that, that piece is huge because that gives you belief and that gives you the trust in one yes. another. I think when, when you have that team that can rely on each other night in and night out, they have the trust, they know the game plan is going to work, that, that, that is so valuable because that's why the teams are in those positions. You know, it's a lot of, it's a lot of teams with great players that's not making the playoffs. Or there's a lot of teams with great players that are lower seed. And you look at Brooklyn. Of course, they they were undermanned most of the year. It was inconsistency. It was injury. It was a lot. But since they've been put together, that team has not created – they haven't created that chemistry. I think with the coaching staff, with the superstars, with the role players, there's been a lot of turnover through the past three years. So that's where you see this team is. Now, yes, they are a threat. But to your point, Jonesy, if you have a team that's all in and they rely and they trust each other, they have an advantage over that team with a lot of talent. So, Al, let me, let me ask you then about I'm trying to find, I'm trying to find the right way to ask this because, Jonesy, you've talked about this in the past before. About, and, Al, I, I don't know if you agree. The way the Raptors play, Jonesy's often said they play harder than a lot of teams around the league. They may or may not be more talented, but they play harder. And if we go back to even a couple of nights ago against this. Yeah, consistently. Consistently, Eric. And is that yeah. maybe, Al, what ultimately um, 
hit Toronto in the nose the other night was that they met a team that played as hard as them. And even though the talent wasn't necessarily there with no Tatum, no Brown, no Horford, no Williams, because the Celtics play as hard as they do, it turned into a hell of a battle. And can that type of style, whether it be for Boston, whether it be for Toronto, that hard play, that, that focus and attention, can that win you a series, not just a game, but a series against a more talented team because you're playing harder? No, typically I don't think so because playoffs, everyone's playing hard. And the team that has the talent and the team that executes the best, they, they're typically the teams that's going to win a, a series. Like everyone, everyone you, you can rely on, you know, the, the effort, but that that's going to be across the board. Everyone's going to play hard, and they're going to pick their game up. And that's why you have the regular season, and that's why you have the postseason. And that's pretty much the one thing that changes a lot is the intensity night in and night out. And, Joe, you mentioned it. The Raptors, their success come because they have been playing hard more consistent than the rest of the teams, right? So that that's a piece that, although that's a big element, but typically you won't find a team that's going to win because they played harder. They most likely executed, you know, better, and they have players making plays at the right time. Yeah, no, and I'll say this: it's e, it's it's there's a there's a phrase that says hard work beats talent when talent fails to work hard, and you, as to Al's point, uh, in the playoffs, that talent usually works hard. Now, that doesn't mean that if they haven't been working hard consistently together all year, there can't be la- there can't be lapses. And in the playoffs, with every possession being so important and the awareness heightened on every possession, you can have more talent, be playing hard, but to Al's point, the third part of it not being together from a chemistry standpoint and not being able to execute, that can cost you a game. like that. And that's where, to me, with your talent playing hard consistently, that's where you get it done. And, and I mean, I look at the Raptors. Man, Pascal, if Pascal Siakam's not one of the top 15 players in the league, all NBA right now, I don't know what, I don't know what is. And... You know, the way the other guys are playing, and it's nice to start getting guys back, OG back. Hopefully Fred can get healthy. Gary Trent was back the other night. Uh, this team is in six right now, but they are going to be a scary, scary out. They are never out of a game because of the way they play. Like, was, was, what was there? And I should look at the notes to know this. But other than the, the bad blowout game in Cleveland, and there was another one kind of after the break in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. The Raptors haven't been out of, I, I wouldn't say they've been out of many games this year where you're just going to, oh, okay, let's turn the page, this one's done. That doesn't happen. Al, what is it about that a team like that then when, when you talk about the intensity and the and the will and the heart that they play with? Like where does that come from? Is it is it, it, it can't just be one guy. But it, I'm assuming it can't just be the coach either. Like, when does that buy-in or how does that buy-in come? Man, it, it, comes, it comes from the history. It comes from tradition. It comes from your coach. It comes from your, the characters of your team, characteristics, all, all of those things. Like, it's so easy during the course of a season to stray. It's so easy to start becoming individualized. 
You got people that's, you know, looking working for contracts. You got endorsements. You got, you know, personal agendas. You got a lot of things. And that's the challenge for a coach to manage all of those things. But when you have that leader in the locker room or a few leaders that can echo what the coach wants, and then you have the management that's going to hold everyone accountable and is going to have those tough conversations off the court, behind the scenes, that creates a culture. And I know a lot of people don't like to use that, but that creates an environment that there's a standard. And the Raptors have done a great job of creating that standard outside of the championship. You know, the Raptors have been, as you guys mentioned, prior to Kawhi, the Raptors have been right there. They've been running to LeBron James, right? They've been winning. They've been creating a culture and an environment that we're playing hard. We're playing together. We're not giving up. And now you have Nick Nurse who comes there and implements his style. And then you have some young, hungry players that came from nothing, some undrafted, some, you know. So you have you have people there that, that has they, – they play with that intensity. They play with that effort. And it's all together. It's not one person. Or it's not one element. It's, it's a collective. It's a collective unit put together for that approach, night in and night out. Al, I, I want to ask you about one team. When you talk about playing hard consistently, they have the talent. But, and I'm not talking about teams below the line. I'm not talking about Brooklyn, or Atlanta, or somebody like that. I'm talking about Philadelphia. They are still a bit of a mystery to me in that. You know, before you came on, Eric and I were saying, everybody's like, oh, it's Embiid, it's Jokic. By the way, nobody's talking about Giannis, who is still voter fatigue. People are, maybe they're getting tired of him <laughs> doing it. But but Philadelphia is a team that I look at, and I still have a big question mark, Al. Do they play hard enough consistently and execute well enough together? And James Harden has that tag on his back of, not always coming up big when it's important. There's a whole bunch of question marks around Philly, even though you would say they're in their championship window. Yeah, I think that's always the key. I think Joel Embiid has done a great job of keeping himself healthy and keeping himself available. And when you when you make that trade, that blockbuster trade, and bring a, a person in like James Harden with the talent, with the personality, with the, you know, the cachet and everything, that that's a big commitment, and that showed right there the Sixers were going for it all. With the unit they had, with the players that they traded and gave away, they created you know the Sixers to have a, a shooting ability. They had some depth on the bench. They had certain things. You let that go, but once again, that's the regular season team. With bringing in James Harden, you're looking to win a championship, and we haven't seen that yet. So even putting that together, championship run or championship push. There's a lot of elements. And that two-man game that you're relying on, it has to show up every single night. And so far, it hasn't as of late. Early on, it looked great. But now when teams start the game plan, when people get fatigued, when, you know, the the novelty is over, how do you go forward and, and push for a championship? And we don't know if that team is there. Do you have the MVP candidate? Yeah. Joel Embiid's playing his butt off. Do you have a talented guard and James Harden? Yeah. But what about the other pieces? And how do Joel and and James Harden play together in winning time? That's the that's the big thing. That's the question mark. I think we all have. Al, last question here. Uh, I want to shift it back to the Raptors and Timberwolves tonight. Um, I can think of a few names that I'm, I'm I'm guessing you might say, but Patrick Beverly. He talks a lot. He chirps a lot. 
he digs into you. He's defensive-minded. He's, he's one of those annoying dudes that you, you hate to have on the opposing team and you probably love to have on yours. Who was that guy during your day that you played against that was always up in your kitchen, that was always in your face, that was yapping all the time, or, or was that even a guy that was on your team? Give, give, me, give me a name or two. Um, you know, it was always that player. That, like, a lot of players had that intensity, but I'll, I'll name one, and there's no slight or nothing. To, but we had Chris Childs. Chris Childs was a guy that would get in your face. He'll, he'll play hard. He can make shots. He can make plays. But he just – he was that guy that was going to do anything you need to do. He's on guard, the toughest guy. He wasn't afraid to back – that he didn't back down from anything. And he's going to let you hear it. He's going to talk trash. If you wanted to rumble and go outside, he would. you could do that too. And he would give his all to his team. But Chris Charles, we had that on our team. I remember playing against AI one time, and, and AI was, seemed like he was chilling for the most part. And Chris came in there and started talking crazy to AI. And next thing you know, Chris sub out, and guess who was left with the, with the, with the after effects? Me. <laughs> he didn't rouse uh, AI. AI might have ran for 40 straight points after that, but – Chris was that dude. I saw him before get with Gary Payton. Al, I got Gary Payton. He's scared of me. Or Tim Hardaway. Let me get him. I got him. And talk crazy to him like he didn't know him. So Chris Childs was that guy that took any challenge and, and put his body on the line for the team. Man, he, he, was, he was that tough-nosed guy. And I love playing with Chris. It's a great – you know what? That's not one of the names I was thinking, Al. So I, I, I'm glad you pulled out Chris Childs. All the best, man. We'll see you uh, Hold on. down who, at the gym Who are you soon. thinking real quick? Uh, well, listen, I thought for sure you were going to mention Oak because uh, when I mentioned, you know, guys that you played with. And and then, you know, like to me that was at the top of the list. But, but uh, Yeah, you know. but E, 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 hold on. Time out. 20 second here. Oak falls in a different category. Oak is like, he's like the godfather, man. You just, you know you're not going to mess with him. And when he says something to you, you just say, okay, and you turn and you walk away. I mean, Oak's in a different, he's in a different category, Al. Like, Oak is OG, man. He he walks into a room and people move. (laughs) Yeah, no, that was, yeah, that's that's a whole different different category with with oak and oak yeah no 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 i can't yeah that's a that's a whole different beast but chris, <laughs> I, I think chris Charles is a, is, a, is a closer comparison from my recollection no, i was just gonna say just ask keon dooling and many others right about charles oakley um <laughs> yeah uh, no, but yeah. the other the other name I thought and you did say it was AI. I just thought with the Philly connection, I thought he would have been doing a lot of talking out there too and giving it to you with the uh, with the Philly connection as well. But anyways, I I love hearing the old stories like that, Al, as I'm sure the audience does as well. Thanks again as always, and we will uh, see you down at gym soon. All the best, man. All right, see you guys. All right, Al. There is Alvin Williams, a uh, guy that's actually been doing a little bit of talking this year, Jonesy, more so than arguably before. He's he's walking around with his chest puffed out a little bit more, and rightfully so. Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, we'll talk about him yeah. and a whole lot more with Alan Horton, the uh, voice of the Timberwolves, when he joins us next on Smith & Jones. Everything Raptors before and after the games. The Raptor Show with Will Liu. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back on Smith & Jones, Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. You get a double dip of us today as you've got us on the air right now. And we'll be back again later on this evening 
for the Timberwolves and Raptors. 7 o'clock pregame show, 7.30 tip-off. And joining us on the line right now, the radio voice of the Timberwolves, Alan Horton. Alan, thanks for the time today. Eric, it is great to talk to you. Paul, how are you? I'm good, Alan. And, uh, you know, before we get onto the court, uh, because the, the Timberwolves are having a great season on the court, I want to step back between the lines. Somebody asked me about Coach of the Year candidates yesterday. Yeah. And I rhymed off the Kaiser, so- Kaiser Sose, the usual suspects, right? Like Monty Williams yeah. and, 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 uh, and, you know, J.B. Bickerstaff, how well they've done this year, and Jason Kidd. And I looked and I thought, nobody's really talking about Chris Finch. I think he's done a terrific job with, with the team this year, considering he took over in the middle of last season in that disjointed year. Yeah. And and it didn't it didn't start great either, but kind of like his oh. his his previous employer Nick Nurse, you kind of stay with the system, trust the plan, trust the, the the you know what you have is going to work. Get the guys to buy in, and it'll take off. And it certainly has. I mean, he is in my eyes, he's the biggest reason for the win- Timberwolves winning twenty more games already this season than they did last year. I mean, that's just from uh, from from from. From 23 to 43 wins, I think he's the biggest reason. He's just come in, and uh, you're right, he came, he came into a really difficult situation. I mean, he was just literally didn't even have a practice with the team before he was coaching games against the likes of the Milwaukee Bucks. And, uh, you know, he lost his first five games going into the All-Star break. But during that All-Star break, he was able to take some time and kind of organize and get things set up the way he wanted. Um, you obviously don't have a full training camp to prepare, but he did a magnificent job in a short period of time of, of, of at least – simplifying things of what he wanted to change. And and the team kind of took off after the all-star break. And, you know, I don't put a lot of stock in numbers uh, post all-star break when you're not in the playoff race, because you're facing a lot of teams that are tanking, that are injured. Even the playoff teams you're facing sometimes are resting guys, but the Wolves sort of came together. And I think it was a case uh, for this team that, you know, they had Towns and Russell and Anthony Edwards as kind of their big three. Um, so them getting that, getting that kind of final, whatever, 25, 30 games, after the All-Star break last year under Chris Finch, I think really propelled them into this season. And then uh, the way he has, the way he's brought this team along, not only offensively, but defensively as well. Um, they're, they're, they're one of three teams just in the top 10 in, in offense and defense this year. Um, that's even after giving up a, a tremendous defensive rating to Boston the other night. But that one notwithstanding, it's been an amazing turnaround. Um, and and he, I, I just think he's the biggest reason. He's got a great impact with Towns. Um, and 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 D'Angelo Russell he can manage people. He knows the game. He's just made a huge difference. Hey, Alan, I might be guilty of trying to push my narrative onto you. So tell me if I'm if I'm way off base here or not. What are the fans <laughs> in Minnesota thinking or feeling right now? Because I've been using Minnesota and Toronto in the same conversation for quite a while now. Where I look down and say, and I hate, and Jonesy can attest to this, I hate using the word fair. It's not fair. I hate it, but I'm going to do it anyways. It doesn't seem fair that you've got teams like Toronto and Minnesota, you know, 10, 11, 12 games above 500 in a dogfight for a playoff seed. The Raptors, at least for now, are the sixth seed. They're locked in. But Minnesota, 10 yeah. games above and they may not even be in the postseason. Like, that's, that's a that's kick right. to the gut. Everybody loves the playing, I guess. But, Alan, I've been saying have one slot, one wild card, 
and 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 go from there. Because what are the odds that the eighth seed in any given year is going to be ten plus above? So I don't know. Maybe I'm making up my own narrative, my own storyline here. No. I just don't like seeing teams having seasons like this that might miss out. Yeah, they're gonna. They might be out after one game, and it could certainly happen. Because so not only is that in play, what you just talked about, but also the team behind the Timberwolves are the LA Clippers. Now there's six games back with uh, six left to play. So, I mean, it's, they have the tiebreakers. That's why we haven't clinched at least the seven seed yet, but they got Paul George back last night and Timberwolves fans who have had one winning season since 2004, they are now terrified of what the Clippers all of a sudden are. Um, and that six game gap that you work so hard during the regular season to build and, and hopefully gives you an advantage. It turns out to be not much of an advantage at all. You just get to play the, the one game at home, but um, so Timberwolves fans are, are uh, we've they've been trying to get up to Denver to that number six seed. It's been a battle. They've been they've been they got to six for one day last week, but then it quickly disappeared. Um, it, it's looking more and more like they're going to end up in that seven seed, and they're going to have to host Paul George and the Clippers in a play-in game, and then whatever happens if you lose that, that boy, you get another home game. Um, and whatever happens with that nine ten right now, the Lakers are out of it. You've got New Orleans and. San Antonio with nothing to lose. They roll the dice. You could find yourself out of the postseason after a really good year. So it's, it is unfair. The other idea I've heard floated is that, you know, there, there needs, and this happened to the bubble, right? You had to be within a certain number of games um, to make that play in work. And I I think that may, might make some sense. Like if you have a five game lead or more, I I don't know that you should be, you know, you, you, we don't have to have the, the nine, 10 play each other every single year. If it's close, I think it makes sense. If those teams are a distant nine and 10, I mean, under 500 and more than five games back, I, I, I say you skip it. I think we need to put in um, some sort of margin of error games behind. And I don't know whether you do it from the team in front of you or from seven down. I don't know how exactly it works, but that seemed to work well in the bubble uh, when we did that a couple of years ago. Al, I agree with you. I, I, I think you got to be minimum at the watermark, at, at, at the 500 mark. Like this year in the West, yeah. there's one spot open. Nine and ten play, and then the winner plays the Clippers for, for, for eight. The Wolves are ten games above 500. Like it, right. it cheapens the regular season and how hard they've worked over the, the course of six months to be out in yeah. one game. That, that, that's, yeah. I There's mean, no reason me, you couldn't do that. That's, be that's within... perfectly acceptable. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah. I think, I, I think I, you're I, right on with that. I mean, there's no reason you have to have two every single year, only if it makes sense and if it's, it's quote-unquote fair. Let, let me ask you this. Um, what difference, and I started off with the Chris Finch theme, you said he's the biggest difference for the 20-game um, improvement, 20 games more in terms of the improvement. What difference has he made to Carl Anthony Towns, to yeah, uh, and and I do want to get to Patrick Beverly, but guys who play yeah. for Nick Nurse say he instills a confidence in you. He'll never take you out of the game for missing a shot, but don't loaf yep. on defense, don't miss assignments. That's when you're going to sit down. What 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 has Chris given Cat that has made him that has pushed him to another level this year? I think in one word, it's just confidence. Um, he has. You know, he has brought – and it's interesting, too. I always love how, how, how coaches kind of – you can see them interact. I mean, there's been different uh, coaches we've had where you're allowed into practice, you're not in allowed practice. Chris Finch is, is open about everything, and it's great. He lets you into practice. You can see how he manages guys. And it's been interesting because, um, you know, where, where a lot of fans were frustrated with Carl with some, some 
some offensive fouls that he'd pick up, the technicals that were getting wrapped up in officials' calls, and that would kind of spiral downward early in the season. And this happened over his career, too. He gets frustrated easily. Um, and that doesn't end well for him, and it usually doesn't end well for the Timberwolves either. But it's been interesting to see how Chris Fitch has kind of managed that. You don't overreact. You play the long game. And he slowly started to work some of those issues out. The turnovers are down. They're giving Carl the ball in different spots than he's used to. You don't see him post up nearly as much as he used to. They love to give him as the trailing big coming up the floor, and they kind of just feed it to him at the top of the three-point line, and he can either shoot that or he can drive, and there's normally space, so it's really difficult to double him in that type of situation, um, and he's thrived in it. And, and I think confidence, uh, confidence is the biggest thing that Cat's got under Chris Finch. He knows he's got a supporter in him. Um, I think stability is another thing because Cat has gone through so many GMs and so many coaches during his seven years, um, and and it's it's the, the Timberwolves kind of stumbled into the I think the right head coach and the right GM. You know they fired their regular GM Gerson Rosas right before right after media right before media day this season, which feels like a long time ago. But uh, and Sachin Gupta has stepped in those and he and Chris Finch know each other from the Houston days. You had the kind of the awkward hiring of Chris Finch last year. Uh, with David Vanderpool being overlooked and a lot of criticism coming the Timberwolves' way. So it wasn't a traditional way that they found their way to leaders as the head coach and, and the GM, but they've, they've got them in the right place. And there is a stability now that I think the players can sense and feel, um, and I think that's made a big difference. Isn't it interesting that uh, Pascal Siakam and Carl Anthony Towns operate the same way in the middle of the floor where it's tough to double? Oh, interesting, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, that's, uh, that's a weird coincidence, huh? <laughs> those two head coaches think a lot alike. I know they have so much respect for each other. They've coached against each other. They've coached with each other for the uh, for the Great Britain national team uh, when the when the Olympics were in London. So there is a great respect between those two. And, the, and they're, I'm, I'm sure over these, we've been in town for a couple of days, so I'm sure at some point those two got together. Uh, Alan, we've only got a couple of minutes left here. Let me stay on this same topic, though, and, and the confidence – the swagger that Carl Anthony yeah. Towns is playing with as well. How much of that is the hell that he's been through the last year and a half, two years, combined yeah. with he's a hell of a player too, combined with all-star, combined with the Patrick Beverly effect, combined with being a winning player? Like, is it all kind of a combination? Like, what? Because it seems like, at least from a distance, you can tell a better story. You're, you're firsthand. It seems like he's got a different swagger and a different personality, more of a chip on his shoulder this year. Yeah, he's been through, he's been through uh, just uh, an unbelievable amount with losing his mom to COVID, um, a number of family members as well. Um, and all the turmoil he's kind of been through, there's been a lot put on his shoulders over his first six years. And, um, you know, he's been able to put up some good numbers, but the team has not been able to win. I don't, you know, I don't think you can blame a ton of that on him. Uh, it's, 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 it's not a one man game as everybody knows. And so I think the, uh, the team has finally, like I said, gotten stability and gotten some right pieces around him. And I just think there's a maturity about him. And, and again, these guys are so young too. I mean, Carl's in his seventh year. But someone who's still in their 20s, I mean, it's just um, it's it's a lot heaped on people at a very young age. Um, and, and he's kind of battled through this. And he is, I think, in a pretty good place right now. Um, he's got a great support system. His dad was, is with us most of the time on the road um, and some family members as well. They really enjoy being um, just just kind of traveling around and being with Carl, being with the team and kind of supporting the club. Um, and, and you're right. You mentioned Pat Beverly. I think I think he would be reason number one B behind Chris Finch as as far as the turnaround goes. Because I think Carl putting himself 
you know, he's kind of been mentioned in this MVP ladder, and I and I think he's put up MVP type numbers. Now he won't win it this year. It's it's too late in the season to for him to kind of get into that race, and he's not at the level of uh, Joel Embiid and, and Nikola Jokic and Giannis. But I think he's put himself in a really good spot going forward. Where I think next year, if this continues, I mean, he's going to be right there. He's going to be in this conversation, I think, for the next five plus years, um, which is really good. But Pat Beverly has made a ton of difference coming in with just, you know, when he's on your team, you love him. And when he's, he's going up against you, he's a pest, right? He gets onto you. He, he's too physical. He's always yapping. He's always talking to the officials. So when you're going up against him, uh, you hate him, but you love him when he's on your team. And he's made a world of difference uh, because also he is, he and Chris Finch are on the same page. I mean, Pat Beverly will stop practice as much as the coaches will to just point out little things. Hey, you need to have your rotation here. Or you need your body needs to be positioned this way, not that way. Um, and making sure everybody's on the same page. And that's why the Wolves, you know, they've had a bottom 10 defense six of the last seven years. And the one year they didn't, they were 20th, uh, just outside the bottom 10. And then and, and this year they're a top 10 defense. It's been an amazing turnaround. And Pat Bev has kind of instilled that mindset um, with the team. And it's paid off in a huge way. Alan, you hear the music going. You know how that goes. We are up against I've, the clock. I've been, I've been running off, yeah. I've no, no, hey. a lot in, in my uh... – <laughs> We appreciate it, man. And we'll see you down at the gym tonight. All the best. Absolutely. It's going to be a lot of fun. Thanks, guys. There is Alan Horton, the radio voice of the Minnesota Timberwolves. Again, the Raptors and the T-Wolves tonight, 7 o'clock pregame, 7.30 tip-off as you get a double dip of Smith & Jones. We will be back tonight with the broadcast. Make sure you subscribe to Smith & Jones wherever you get your podcast. Please rate and review. We'll talk to you tomorrow.